Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Approximately 26 years ago, uh, I found myself uh, at a crossroads in life trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. And in my family, if you were a male, it was widely assumed that you would be an engineer. I I grew up liking math and science, and I assumed this was the path I would follow. Uh, But by the grace of God and for the greater public safety, God had other plans (laughs) for me. I I only was able to delve a little bit into engineering before God changed my course in life. But what I learned from that little experience I had was one basic principle. Form follows function. That things are shaped specifically for the purpose that they are to carry out. And if you will look at something close enough and how it is shaped, you can decipher usually uh, what its purpose is. I've met people who were truly gifted in this. You probably know them too. They're people who, when they're 13 years old, they take apart the lawnmower and, and then they put it back together. And they seemingly can fix anything and they can reverse engineer things. Uh, They can take them apart and by taking them apart, they can then understand how everything is supposed to work. God did this with us also when God created us. Uh, Our form, the way in which we created follows our function, the purpose for which we were created. And one of the great purposes for which God created us is to serve others. On this Mission Sunday, we celebrate this purpose uh, and uh, we seek to live out this purpose that God has given us in the way God created us. Now, I want to share with you that if we're going to live out this purpose, uh, we need to daily be looking in to how it is that we were formed so that we can daily live out our function. One of the ways God calls us to do this is through daily Bible reading and prayer. If you're not already reading your Bible and praying daily, I would encourage you to begin today. Go to the information center, get your January Bible reading plan, and there Uh, You can also uh, ask and they will show you that you can go to concordunited.org slash Bible. There uh, you can find not only a digital copy of the plan, uh, but you can find a daily devotion that you written by church members and church staff members. Uh, You can find that on email or on via podcast, however you like to digest it to help you reflect on the scriptures, to give you a prayer focus for each day. Uh, We need to be studying our form if we're going to live out our function because so often in life, it's easy to get away from our function for why we were created. I remember also at that time of life as a young man, uh, I received my first vehicle. My first vehicle was a 10-year-old Mazda 323, 1.6 liter, manual shift, light blue car. Uh, My father found it with only 40,000 miles on it. Someone had kept it primarily in, in their garage 
and he bought it. And I drove that car uh, until it had 140,000 miles on it. And uh, do you know how fast a Mazda 323 1.6 liter four-cylinder manual shift engine can go? About 80 miles an hour if you gun it on the downhill of, of the interstates. Well, one day I was driving it on the interstate. I was heading north on Interstate 81. I was about to cross the line from Bristol, Tennessee into Bristol, Virginia, and I heard a pop. I heard a pop. Uh, and I didn't think much of it uh, until I noticed a car in front of me driving slowly, and I put on my brakes, and then I hit my brake, and I noticed I had no brakes. And I was thankfully uh, going about 60 miles an hour, not 80 miles an hour, but I noticed that something was wrong. And thankfully I had a a manual shift and I was able to use the gears uh, to slow myself down. Uh, I I got off uh, on on an exit ramp and I found a Hardee's parking lot. To this day, that Hardee's is still there. Uh, And I pulled into the lot and I used my gears and I was going very slowly, uh, but I had a very dramatic introduction to the curb of that parking lot uh, when I sought to bring my car to, to a stop. And so I did the only thing I could do. At, at the time, uh, I was dating my now wife, Rebecca. Uh, she comes uh, from two large families uh, in Southwest Virginia around the Bristol area. Both her mother and father's side of the family uh, had, came from large longtime families in that community. Her father from the Tennessee side, her mother from the Virginia side. And so, I called her and I, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm here in Bristol. What do you think I should do? And I learned something that day. I remember having a friend and his family actually had, his mother's side of the family had ties to the Italian mafia. One time he got stuck, his flight canceled, no way to get home. He made a phone call to his mother. Half an hour later, he was first class heading where he needed to go. She told him never to ask about how it happened. Now, I want you to know, my wife's family, they are no Southwest Virginia mafia. But if you, you're ever stuck in the Bristol area and you call her, all it takes is a phone call and people you've never met before will descend from the mountains and uh, this army will come find you and, and they will help you. Uh, and shortly thereafter, a tow truck arrived uh, and her uncle, uh, who was one of these guys who could reverse engineer anything, showed up, the car was hauled off, it was fixed, but then it was deemed uh, unsafe uh, for long travel. And so I needed a new vehicle. So my father again uh, sought to help me and went to work researching. And he called me and he said, Will, we're gonna get you a new car. And I thought, they're so proud of me. Uh, Look, they, they they just can't believe how well I'm doing in life. I never imagined I'd drive a new vehicle with, uh, with less than 100 miles on it. They're, they're going to get one for me. I can't believe it. He said, I've done the research. It's the most economical choice we can make. Uh, well, I got a new car. I got to say that that engine was, was quite a bit bigger. It was a Saturn SL, four cylinders of thunder, 1.8 liter. It could do 85 if you floored it. It had uh, the old manual shift uh, crank windows that if you went off a bridge and you went into the water, 
you just thank God for a good life. You said, Lord, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of, of the Lord. It, it was the base model, but it was a new car. I'd never driven a new car. And I was worried about putting too many miles on this new car because I was used to an old car with all these miles on it. And my father said something to me. He said, son, cars were made to be driven. That's, that's what they're there for. So go drive it. That's form follows function. Cars were made to be driven. I've, I've got some neighbors and every time a dog barks, they get upset. But here's the thing. Dogs were made to bark, right? Dogs were made to bark. That's how you, you can train them to not bark for a brief period of time in order to get a reward, whatever that may be, in order to flush out birds when you're hunting uh, and sneak up on them what you can, for a brief. But dogs were made to bark. If you have a dog, eventually it's going to bark. Cars were made to be driven. Dogs were made to bark. And you were made to serve. That's how God designed you. Uh, that's your function and your form comes from it. I want to read to you the Apostle Paul's words about this uh, important uh, life purpose that God has given us to serve others. Uh, this comes to us from his first letter to the Corinthians, beginning with the fourth verse. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the work of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. What Paul's telling us is that the work of the Holy Spirit is to instill in us these spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts that we have are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And then the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to activate these gifts. So we don't just walk around uh, with our gifts inactive, but they're activated so that we can use them by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And friends, when you begin to use your gifts, uh, when you begin to allow God to, to work through you, when you embrace uh, that a fundamental part of the Christian faith is to serve others, suddenly you come alive in a way uh, that you weren't before. If you are a Christian, you have to serve others. Now, it's, it's not a duty that's forced upon you. It's just part of being a Christian. It's like if you're going to be a human, you're going to have to breathe. That's what you're going to have to do if you want to be alive. If you want to be alive in Christ, serving others just comes from it. When you come alive in Christ, when you feel his presence in your life, he puts this passion and desire in you. You may not be good at it at first. Uh, you, you'll, you'll probably crawl before you walk. You may make some significant mistakes as you try to serve others, 
But there's no form of Christianity that doesn't involve serving others. Serving indeed is the most selfless, selfless and most selfish thing you can do. It's selfless because it's really focused on others. When, when I think about the mission blitz that our church just participated in, uh, when I think about uh, all the people who, who came forth, uh, almost 700 volunteers, 24 projects from throughout our community. And when I think about the fact that many of those projects, it's a, we all come together for one weekend, but a lot of those are working with communities uh, and organizations, uh, with people with whom we work all year. And all those have been vetted. Our missions team does an in incredible job saying we will not perform toxic charity. We won't help in a way that just creates further dependence. We're never going to serve others in a way uh, that is self-serving just to make us feel good about ourselves for doing it. We're only going to serve others in ways that we have researched and verified, lift others up, that really make a difference, that transform lives. It's selfless, but in a way, it's also selfish because there's, some, there's a joy that comes that you can't describe until you've experienced it from really being selfless, right? There's an experience you have uh, when you really seek not just for yourself, but for others. And until you've done it, you couldn't put it into words. So we asked someone uh, who, spent, who spent much of his life doing it to put it into words for all of us. I want you to hear now. Uh, what one of our mission leaders, Mike Smith, had to say about it. I volunteer because I see people smile from the fact that either they're either getting food or they're getting thank you notes or they're getting prayers or they're getting their bed has been prayed on. The 24 different things that we're doing out here just makes you, makes you feel good inside, makes your heart feel good, makes you smile. I know you're helping other folks that are in need. As Mike talked about, and if you know Mike, uh, you know that if we were to pay Mike for his service hours, our church would go bankrupt. We, we, we could never afford it. Uh, some of you are in the same boat with him. Uh, some of you serve in areas uh, that we'll never know about. But you're out there in your neighborhood, uh, you're in your community, you're with your friends, your family, your place of work, and you're giving your life in service and you know exactly what he was talking about, what it means. Even Jesus, when he was preparing to make his greatest sacrifice, and sometimes serving does bring pain, but when Jesus was preparing to head to Jerusalem, knowing it would mean his death, we are told in the Gospel of John uh, that he went for the sake of the joy set before him. That even in the great sacrifice, there was joy in giving his life out of love for the creation. That the creation might come to be reconciled to the creator. And that was his unique mission. And he has given you a unique mission. Everyone is uniquely called to serve others. I, I got to spend some time with some folks who were uniquely called to serve others this weekend. You may go know that this weekend we sent dozens upon dozens of our teenagers to, Gatlin, to Pigeon Forge uh, for the resurrection worship weekend. Uh, and they're there and they will worship four times this weekend. In fact, they are worshiping right now. 
And in between those times, they will eat massive amounts of pizza and drink Dr. Pepper. Uh, and they, they will have fun together uh, in the mountains and in, in Gatlinburg and with all the fun stuff to do. Uh, but most of all, they will do so in a supportive, loving community that is focused on giving our lives to Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing experience to be a part of. I was a teenager right when this ministry was beginning and I got to be a part as a teenager of some of the early years of it. I've been a, a part as, as a pastor and as a volunteer with, with students many times and I've seen the difference that it makes. And I got to spend some time with some people last night there in Pigeon Forge and they were so hyped up after the experience. I thought, I don't know when they're ever going to get to sleep. But I want to tell you that it wasn't the middle school boys who were acting that way. Uh, nor, nor was it the middle school girls. It was the adult volunteers. And some of you might think of being an adult volunteer on a, a weekend worship trip to where you have to keep up with kids on the strip in Gatlinburg uh, and where you have to make sure they get up on time and go to, to bed on time and uh, make sure that uh, not only do they not do anything you wouldn't have done at that age, but they don't do many of the things you would have done at, at that age. Uh, you might think of that as cr quite a cross to bear. Uh, so somebody else's job, they wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, they, they were uniquely called and it's amazing to me each time when, when we come back, I'm always sure uh, to go uh, to the staff members and the volunteers who, who went on the trip. And I just try my best to profusely thank them uh, for giving of their time to make this experience possible for our students. And almost always uh, I have people say the same thing to me. Please let me go next year. Please let me do this again. I got more out of this than I gave because when you live out uh, your function, you find that it forms you. It forms you like Christ and there's nothing like that in this world. It's something we all have. You might think of yourself as uh, no longer, you might see opportunities, you might think, well, I'm, I'm no longer at the stage of life uh, to go and, and chase around teenagers. And I see that People shoveling mulch uh, in the playground or uh, building a habitat house. And I think, you know, my, I can't quite do that kind of activity anymore. We all have something we can do. We, we all have something we can do uh, from the youngest to the oldest. That's one of the things I love about Concord United Methodist is that one of our commitments is that we will have service opportunities for everyone. We have service opportunities at which uh, you can bring your toddler uh, and we have service opportunities uh, for you. Uh, as long as you uh, are breathing, we have a way that you can serve. Uh, in the Old Testament, we're told of God's design. And perhaps no one says this more clearly than the prophet Joel. Uh, the prophet Joel in the, in the second chapter tell, tells us these, these words. Uh, and this is about Joel prophesying of the coming of the Spirit. Uh, now, uh, Joel was looking for when the Spirit would come and would revive the nation of Israel. Joel couldn't have imagined that this would be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. But Joel, for the, for the new church, but Joel wrote these words. Then afterward, and we, we interpret as Christians afterward to be after Jesus' resurrection. 
I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams. I love that because we often think that it's the elderly that will prophesy because they have the wisdom to see what the future will bring. But God says, no, even the young can. And we often think that it's only the young who have dreams and are excited about the future uh, and amazed by the possibilities. But God says, no, even the old will do that. The elderly will dream dreams of excitement about what is to come. Your young men shall see visions. And even on my male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. You don't have to achieve some type of wealth, some type of status before you can bless others. God says on, on everybody, I heard a phrase one time, somebody says, you have to make it before you can matter. And what they meant was you have to gain a certain amount of financial resources before you can really make a difference. That's an awesome phrase. It is entirely false according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way you make it in this world is by mattering. It's by following out the function that God gave you, finding a way uh, to thank God for your blessings by blessing others. Uh, and one of our great servants at the church, Melody Knight, uh, shared with us just how much it meant to her uh, that there was a way for everybody to serve. Here's what she had to say about it. I brag all the time to people I, I see and friends that there's just so many opportunities to do what you want to do and there, you don't have to feel guilty about not doing everything because what you want to do is available in some form and helping others is always meaningful. I, lo I love how much pride she takes in that, that there's, there's a way for, for everyone, that there, there truly is. And what we find is that when you embrace that and you find that, you discover that serving, it literally changes the world. It creates a new world. It creates a new reality in people's lives that fundamentally changes them for the better. Not in a self-serving way, but in a, way that serves others. There are a few ways that I was reminded of this during the recent Mission Blitz weekend. One was a new ministry uh, that we participated in this year. We're connected very closely with the Cedar Bluff schools. Uh, and many times they have needs that they cannot fulfill within the uh, budget allotted to them. Uh, many times they have families uh, who have needs, uh, who need clothes, who need school supplies. And they know uh, if they don't have what's needed, their first call is Concord United Methodist Church. And we're gonna do whatever we can to make sure those families have what they need. Well, the Cedar Bluff schools had a dream. They, they had a dream of an outdoor classroom but they didn't have all the resources they needed uh, to do uh, the landscaping and the design that would get kids outdoors. How many of you ever went to school and sat in a classroom and prayed to God for the day to be over so you could go outdoors? Uh, how many of you, when you got the chance to get a job, you were like, ain't no way I'm sitting in an office, right? Ain't no way I'm sitting behind a desk. I'm gonna be outdoors. There are thousands of kids who feel like that when they go to school. And we wanted to give a few hundred of those kids the opportunity to learn in the middle of God's creation. Not just to learn from a book about God's 
uh, creation theoretically, but to learn in the middle of God's creation, uh, they, they needed uh, picnic tables. Uh, let's, let's show some, some of the work that went done on, uh, happened uh, to make our picnic tables possible. So, so here we have uh, some of our uh, engineers uh, wor working and uh, they were out there in the sub-freezing temperatures uh, building picnic table upon picnic table upon picnic table. And these picnic tables that you see, uh, they're gonna be filled with children. They're gonna be filled with children out in God's creation thing and learning about how God created the world uh, and uh, seeing that the world is bigger uh, and more amazing uh, than they could have dreamed or than they could have understand, ju understood just by reading a book. Building picnic tables is changing children, blessing children. And by doing so, it's, it's changing the world. It's changing their reality. There's another, another group that came together. And I am not here uh, to make judgments uh, on the IQ of our servers. But I am here to say uh, that these folks uh, on a freezing day, uh, they found a way to serve in a climate controlled area and change the world. Uh, so I think they're pretty smart. Um, and they, what they did was, let, let's go to, to that slide. They came together and they made activity bags uh, for patients at Children's Hospital. And so if, I don't know how many of you were ever in the hospital as a child. I don't know how many of you ever had to stay overnight in the hospital as a child. It is not fun. It's, it's not where you, you want to be. Uh, and it can be uh, not just an unpleasant place. It can be quite a, a boring place as, as you wait, and as people uh, check your blood pressure and your heartbeat and they listen to, to you breathe. So we wanted them to have fun things to do. So they created activity bags. I don't know how many of you have ever been a parent in the hospital with a child. But if you're a parent in the hospital with a child, an activity bag that your child's excited about, it can feel like salvation, right? It can feel like about 10, 15 minutes where your child actually isn't focused on how bad they feel or how bored they are, but is enjoying themselves. So we came together to do that, but not only that, we came together and, and this group made Valentine's cards for the nurses because the nurses work long hours uh, and the nurses uh, don't always uh, hear thank you as much as we wish they would uh, because so often uh, they are simply from one task to the next, trying to take care of as many people as they can. And I think every one of us in this room, I think hopefully everyone in Knoxville uh, would say that nurses who take care of children are some of our greatest heroes. But we don't stop often to say thank you, right? A uh, uh, hundred thousand people will gather in a stadium uh, to stand up and cheer 19-year-olds running around and running into each other. Uh, and I, I have, I, I'm one of them. But how often do we stand up and cheer 50-year-olds who've given their life to become experts in helping children have a better and a healthier life? And so we said, this is what we want to do. We just want to make Valentine's cards for the nurses. And we, we want to make them real nice and real special and we just want them to know all the people that are thinking of them. 
And when they walk into work every day, we want them to imagine that we're all there and we're all cheering as they enter their arena, as they prepare for their work. Now, picnic tables, Valentine's Day cards, activity bags, they're not the most radical things in the world. But remember, Jesus called us to be salt and light. What, what does light do? It lets you see the world as it really is, as God's good creation. With everything else that seemingly wrong in the world, when you serve, you become light. Uh, you, you let people see how the world really is. And, and when, you, when you really serve others, you become salt. Uh, what, what happens to food when you can't put any salt on it? Some of you know because you went to the heart doctor and the heart doctor said, hey, you gotta cut down on the salt. That, that's a hard pill to swallow, right? Any of you ever had oatmeal without salt in it? I mean, good grief. I think like you take cardboard and you put some water in it and you stir it up and then you put it in the microwave, right? And apparently it's great for you. Uh, and someday I'm gonna get to heaven and I'm gonna ask Jesus why bad things happen to good people. Uh, and I'm gonna ask Jesus uh, how many stars there are in the sky. And then I'm gonna ask him why Snickers bars couldn't be good for you, right? Uh, how, how, how didn't we create these taste buds a little differently? But what, what we find is that just a little bit of salt can make something that otherwise is very bland, can make it, make it delightful. Just a little serving can help lives that we're just getting by become joyful. When we just say, Jesus, what, what can we do? How are you calling us to bless others? Because here's what serving ultimately does, is it does, it allows us to see others as they are and it allows us to see God as God is and this world as God's created it and that it's good. We have so much that separates us from one another in this world. So much that causes us uh, to step back uh, and feel like uh, that other people are against us uh, and uh, that they're not like us, uh, that they're part of a different tribe, uh, that they must see the world fundamentally differently, that they're our enemies. And those differences are real. And we see differences in race and we see differences in class and, and we see differences in political affiliation uh, and uh, political ide ideology uh, and difference in ethics. And we just think, my goodness, God, you created this world so good, but look what we have done to it. And how will we ever get out of this mess that we're in? And then we have these moments where we see one another, even people in very different settings, even people with very different backgrounds. And we recognize that we're all God's children. And we recognize that we're all the same. And when you have one of those moments, you talk about it over and over and over. Last weekend was MLK weekend. And every, every year on MLK weekend in, in church, we, we talk about God's call uh, for us to confront racism uh, in all, and prejudice in all the ways that they, they still exist. And somehow on every weekend when we celebrate the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, my wife and I always end up talking about one particular uh, TV experience that we had. Uh, 
Some of you might have seen it. It was courtesy of Saturday Night Live. It was called Black Jeopardy. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you should go Google it. And if you have seen it, you're already laughing. Uh, Because what happened is it was a Jeopardy show that was based on black culture. uh, And one of the contestants was Tom Hanks. Uh, And he was a, uh, looked like a a middle uh, working class white person, kind of country person. Uh, And he came on the show. uh, And the show's about how they thought they had nothing in common with him. And they had so much. And it's told in uh, a hysterical irreverent way but something about it allows us to say we understand our history we understand the savage inequalities we understand how much there is in this world that keeps us from seeing and treating one another as children of God but it's one of those moments where we have this glimpse that we underneath it all we really are that We really are brothers and sisters. What God has done for us, uh, that the red blood that Christ has shared is greater uh, than black and white and brown. It's greater uh, than rich and poor. It's greater uh, than uh, left and right. We really are. Friends, when you really serve others, you create those moments for our world where we see each other for who we are. And we see God for who God is. Let's pray together. Gracious God, show us how you have uniquely designed us to serve others. And as we seek to do so, never allow us to take the credit or lift ourselves up for any good that might be done through our lives, but allow us to give your spirit the praise for the gifts you have given uh, for the power to serve uh, from which we depend on you. And God, as we serve others and as we allow others to serve us, help us to see one another as we truly are, your children in your good creation. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.